I'm Larry Bumpers with L Beef Bar Farm in Marquette, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, boy, it's been a wild ride in the cotton market for the last few trading sessions. On Friday, USDA issued a massive cut in U.S. cotton production, a cut like we've never seen, 3 million bales. And the cotton market reacted sharply to those numbers with a couple of limit up trading days. We'll take a closer look at that coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The dynamics of supply and demand can greatly influence whether your business is in the black or in the red. And right now, the numbers are not lining up very well for Texas High Plains cattle feeders. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Texas Broadband Initiative is attempting to address both the number of people being served and the quality of that service in underserved areas such as rural regions of the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from State Comptroller Glenn Hager on the Broadband Initiative on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA made a massive cut in U.S. cotton production in their recent supply and demand report released on Friday, taking some 3 million bales off of their estimate. The market reacted by trading limit up Friday, then limit up again on Monday. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says that was expected with this big of a cut. You know, it's it's not surprising to have a couple days of limit up moves and and everybody will kind of be watching for it whatever day it is tomorrow wednesday it'll it'll go up and then come back a little bit and we'll think oh okay it's sort of there there it is it's sort of had its reaction to the to the adjustment the only thing is there's more left you know there's more news and information there's going to be more influences that could take us higher than where we are right now, you know, beyond the report. And that could set the stage to test the highs from earlier this year. You know, this has got us back up, up above 110, between 110 and 120. And, and so we're going to make another run at 120. And we might, we might, this is a setup that may enable, you know, getting back to 120, 120 plus if, um, you know, if we get more, more news about failed acres or, you know, plowing up or, or, you know, or hurricane condition, you know, if tropical stuff comes in and messes up South Texas, well, that's the last thing you need, you know? So, 
it's it's a setup for just for more upside volatility for sure. Robinson says he expects the market to easily top 120 and possibly make a run at 130 as we move through the season. Another surprise in Friday's supply and demand report was the wheat export estimate. Market analyst Joe Vaklovic with Standard Grain. They actually raised their wheat export estimate, which is interesting because the book of wheat sales for the current market year is like the second worst of the last 10 years. We've had really high prices and we had some crop issues here, you know, the last couple of years. I was kind of surprised by that. Your wheat carryout number for the United States came in about as expected. And then they moved some of the Ukraine, Russia stuff around. We just need to find some demand for wheat. It's funny. You look at the wheat market now and the way it's set up. It's like we're back in January, February, like pre-Russia, Ukraine. Ukraine. The funds are short again. The market's back down to pre-invasion levels is what I'd call them. It's like you can just erase those four or five months from your memory and it's like, okay, well now we're kind of back to where we started. Vaklovic says it's hard to tell if there will be a chance to boost U.S. wheat exports. The dynamics of supply and demand will determine if your business is in the black or in the red. James Hunt tells us those dynamics are not lining up well for Texas cattle feeders right now. Even with a pretty good jump in fed cattle prices lately, feedyard operators in our region are still struggling. Brady Miller is with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. We traded cattle last week for $1.40, which was about oh, somewhere 4 to $5 higher than the previous week. The $1.40 market on fat is going to come back at about a $100 loss on a cash basis. So we saw an increase in price, but it still kind of puts us right there at that $100 loss. And when I say that, that's on an average. So some of these animals are probably breaking even, right at the break even. But on an average, you're probably looking at about a $100 loss. That figure, which refers to losses in per head terms, represents the kind of unhappy margins cattle feeders have been facing for a few months now. And really what has created that is when you jump over and you look at the cattle on feed numbers in the south, we have lots of cattle on feed. Yes, area feed yards very full right now as drought has forced ranchers to send a lot of animals to town. And as an example of how those high inventories are hurting cattle feeders' ability to negotiate for better prices, Miller offers this. If you want to look at what's going on in Nebraska and Iowa, they're running about 4 to $6 higher prices on the live side than we are in the south. It comes down just as a matter of fact that they have a few less cattle on feed than we have in the south. So it's a supply and demand issue. One bright spot for cattle feeders is this. They're getting a little boost when it comes to feed cost, as corn prices have come down quite a bit from this season's highs. More from Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Broadband Internet access is expanding across rural Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more. The Broadband Development Office, operated by the Texas Comptroller of Public Accounts, awards grants, low-interest loans, and other financial incentives to Internet service providers who expand access to broadband service in underserved areas, including rural Texas. 
Here is State Comptroller Glenn Hager. So the legislature last session created what's called the Texas Broadband Development Office, put it with my office and the controller's office. So we went on a uh, 12-city tour, a listening tour. We put a plan together on how we're going to spend federal money. The legislature appropriated, essentially gave to us half a billion dollars, significant amount of money to make sure that we work to build out infrastructure across the state through loans and grant programs with the internet providers and figure out how do we have partnerships, 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 not just with businesses, but also local governmental entities as, as we try to get that coverage across the state. Because unfortunately, you have 7 million residents across the state, essentially a quarter of the population that have no internet service, no connectivity. And then you also have a significant number of people who have it, but don't have very good service, Tom. And so first and foremost, we're looking at getting those people connected that don't have it. And then secondly, working to improve that connectivity. Because, you know, we've talked about internet connectivity is important for economic development, but we've learned in the last couple of years, it's about access to telemedicine, to education. It's access for us as individuals to do our jobs. And so I think Texas has a real opportunity with internet connectivity can be what the farm to market system was decades ago. But I do think it's a real economic opportunity for so many people across the entire state of Texas, especially in rural areas. One of the questions I had in a in a conference call I was doing with a lot of folks is one of the ladies said, okay, are you focusing on quantity or quality? And and that's a prime question because I was making the point of the infrastructure bill that Congress had passed. We still don't know the amount of money that's coming to the state from that. It should be billion with a B behind it, which is significant money. But unfortunately, their rules are very specific on certain technology. And that concerns me because that would mean we would have limited the number of quantity of people. Yeah, it'd be high quality, but it wouldn't be very many people that are connected. And I think we have to have that balancing. It's like a scale where you're balancing. You're trying to have good quality, but you're also trying to connect people as many as you can. We issued our first draft plan. There are some of the rules from the federal money that's coming down that we don't actually know the rules yet. This is the first draft, and I'm going to encourage the legislature to put state money into connecting people because it's unfortunately it's going to be very costly and so i really see this as a couple of phases one where how do we connect as many people as we can with quality enough that they need but then number two over time you're moving to where you have good fiber across the state which is what's the long lasting decades type infrastructure that we need so where you're trying to get the quality we need but the quantity but then also you're trying to improve that quality over time and it's just like at first maybe we have a a caliche road a gravel road and then eventually we move to a paved road But then over time, we make sure that we're improving that road structure so it's lasting over decades. I would just highly encourage people that if they want to uh, go to broadbandfortexas.com, that it will be a true game changer and economic opportunity for them and for their families. That is Glenn Hager, Texas Comptroller of Public Accounts. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunters, there is still time to get in a hunter education course before dove and deer season start. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And anaplasmosis is a major disease for the cattle industry. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, 
visit TICC.TAMU.EDU. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Anaplasmosis is a major cattle disease, but Dr. Bob Judd says there is a vaccine being tested to prevent it. Kansas State University and the Department of Agriculture researchers published a study that they say was the first in addressing the urgent need to develop a vaccine against the tick-borne disease anaplasmosis. Currently, there is no vaccine against this disease, and Dr. Roman Gantra indicated it required an innovative approach to develop this vaccine. The disease anaplasmosis has major economic concerns not only in the United States but around the world as losses from the disease are in billions of dollars annually throughout the world. The disease can be transmitted by mechanical transmission by over 20 different tick species but can also be transmitted mechanically by using the same needles or equipment on different cattle. The disease causes destruction of red blood cells, causes anemia in the animal, which usually includes an increase in temperature. The infected cattle become weak and lag behind the herd, refuse to eat and drink, and the skin becomes pale around the eyes and on the muzzle, lips, teats, and mucous membranes. Some cattle will develop yellow coloration of the skin called icterus due to red blood cell destruction, rapid weight loss, excitement, and constipation. Cattle will either die or begin recovery in one to four days after clinical signs. Dr. Zerl Carpenter from Texas A&M indicates it is not recommended to treat these affected cattle unless it is in the very early stage of the disease because stress or treatment can be deadly and antibiotics are not that effective in later stages. Some carrier cattle with the disease can remain infective their entire lives and be a source of transmission of the disease. For this reason, the development of a potential vaccine for anaplasmosis is very exciting. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's still time to get in a hunter education course before dove and deer seasons kick off this fall. Jessica Domel tells how in today's wildlife report. As you prepare for the upcoming fall hunting seasons, don't forget one very important task completing hunter education. Hunter education is required for all hunters in Texas born on or after September 2nd, 1971. Steve Hall, hunter education coordinator for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. We teach things like firearm safety, responsibility, handling, all the nomenclature such as action types and those kind of things. Get them familiar with the tools that are used in hunting or the shooting sports. Mostly that's rifles, shotguns, and handguns, but also also includes a little bit about muzzleloading and archery equipment as well. Those kinds of things, plus the responsibilities of fields, such as taking the right shot, taking care of the game, which is the goal of hunting, is to secure wild meats for the table. You know, taking care of that meat is really an important step, too. And then certainly things like public image and ethics and responsibilities that, that each hunter or outdoorsman, in this case, would want to portray to their fellow recreationists in the field or even just to the public in a community town or anything like that because we obviously want to keep hunting and the outdoors respectful. Hunter education certification is good for life. Hall says hunter education is valuable and even those who are not required to take it can gain something from the course. 
We have a lot of folks that aren't required to take hunter education, take the course just mainly for the firearm safety portion of the course. It's one that's readily available and a lot of people that they might be purchasing a firearm for self-defense reasons or for other reasons, and they might go and take the course. Additional details about hunter education are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another strong move to the upside for the cattle market, cotton market also seeing big gains on the nearby contracts. We'll take a look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833 833- 8972474833897 Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth but hey we all need help sometimes if you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times give them a call 8338972474 or if you can't write it down go to farmlifehelp.com Do me a favor don't wait call them today We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The bullish trend continues in the cattle complex with both live and feeder cattle gaining good ground on Tuesday. Several factors helping to push the futures market higher. Boxed beef prices stronger this week. That's allowing the packers to be more willing to pay up for cash cattle. Cash cattle market has been trending upward over the last couple of weeks, and the corn market has been dropping as well thanks to good weather in the Midwest. All of that adds up to a strongly higher trend in the cattle market. August live cattle up $1.55 on Tuesday, $141.30. The October up $1.87, $145.67. December live cattle up $1.47, $151.20. August feeder cattle up a dollar sixty, closing at one eighty one fifty two. September feeders up two forty seven, one eighty five forty seven. October feeder cattle up two forty two at one eighty eight oh two. Cash fed cattle market still mostly quiet for the week. We do have reports of some sales in Iowa, light sales at one forty six. Also a report of a feedlot in Nebraska passing on a one fifty one bid. So. Some optimism out there in the cash trade this week after we took a big jump last week. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up $1.88 at $266.34. Select up $1.09 at $240.81. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We needed a glass of iced tea because... 
I'm thirsty, and I know you are too. And so is old Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction. Now, Ken, you had a great sale on Thursday in San Saba, more than you expected, right? Ended up having right at uh, 2,800 head of cattle on the yards, and about 4,500 some head for the whole week. Uh, we had over 1,000 cows that we ended up selling uh, on uh, Thursday, uh, quite a large number. But anyway, overall, the market remained very, very good. Demand was extremely good on all classic heads, yearlings, and packer cows, and everything. The stocker steers, I thought overall last Thursday, they sold steady after last week's uh, increase. We had 13 steers. Uh, weighed 4.49 at 2.02 a pound, uh, right at uh, $907 on those. I thought overall the 250 to 300 pound steers, I thought they were probably 10 to 20 dollars higher. Really saw a lot of interest in there. I think a lot of folks beginning to wonder if there's gonna be enough calves to uh, go to wheat in some areas that get the rain on up in Oklahoma, or whatever. And they're starting to buy those even lighter cattle now. Our stocker heifers, I thought overall they sold steady, except I thought the 300 to 450 pound heifers were probably uh, sold uh, right at five to ten dollars higher. Feeder steers and heifers sold steady. Uh, Packer bulls, I thought they were really on fire. We had uh, bulls that uh, brought a off a five to ten higher. Uh, the top bull of the sale was a bull that weighed 2,030 pounds, bought a dollar, 29 a pound. That was $2,619 for that bull, just going to Packer. I thought overall Packer cows probably sold two dollars higher. Top cow, really good high yielding one, brought 97 cents. The pairs and uh, soccer cows also stayed in very good demand. Very strong market, Larry. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. Then give us a call, Larry. Go 325-372-5159. Also a lot of information on our sales. we got our big specials, uh, um, August sale, the 27th, coming up, about 3,200 head there. So anybody needs some replacement cattle, I know it's dry in some areas, but if you've got some old cows, still got some grass, or folks where there is some rain available, they want to take a look at a lot of these good young females we got coming for the August of 27th. So already the first rounds listed up on the website already, Larry. That's jordancattle.com. Ken Jordan, thank you so much. You bet, Larry. Thank you, sir. And Texas neighbors listening to Walk in the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you, too. I'm Larry Marble. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big tumble on Tuesday. The October contract limit down $4.00. Closing at 96.57, December hogs down 315, 87.70. Class 3 milk was higher, August milk up a penny, 2017 100 weight, while September milk was up 44 at 20.79. The cotton market continues to react to Friday's very shocking USDA crop report. With a 3 million bale cut in the U.S. cotton crop, we did hit limit up on Tuesday for the third day in a row, but it backed off before the close. We closed with October cotton up 281 points, 122.25. December cotton up 326 points at 116.85. The corn market continuing to trade the Midwest weather, and the forecast there looks for cooler temperatures and rain in the forecast. That's a good development for that crop, but not so good for the market as September corn dropped 15 and three quarters, 6.11 a bushel. December corn down 18 cents at 6.10 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat closed lower on Tuesday. September Kansas City wheat down 11, 871 and three quarters. New crop July down 14 at 867 and three quarters. On the soft wheat market, September was down 14 and three quarters, 786 a bushel. New crop July down 14 and three quarters at 825. In the energy market, September natural gas jumped 64 cents Tuesday at 9.37. September crude oil down 328, 86.13 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 195 points at 34,107. The Nasdaq down 62 at 13,059. The S&P down 2, 4,295. 
That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.